Eglanathan. Hello, I'm Angelina Pratt, your host of Empathetic Witness. Today, we have an amazing conversation I want to invite you to. The conversation I had with Dr. Betty Bastine, Blackfoot Elder. The topic of our conversation is demystifying Indigenous storytelling. Some of the questions we ponder are, who has the right to tell our stories? What harm does this do when our stories are told by non-Indigenous peoples? And how do we tell our stories? What is the significance of our stories? We discuss this and much more. I'm really grateful that you've decided to give me your time to listen to this conversation. I feel that it's very important and you'll get something from it. I got something from it, even as an Indigenous person. I like the idea of looking at this from an Indigenous worldview. It was our last episode of the season, and I hope you enjoy it. If you did, please subscribe. going to begin. I'm going to introduce Betty Bastine and the reason why I chose her to be my guest today. The question that has been surrounding this particular um, conversation has been who has the right to speak publicly on Indigenous stories? And we are going to speak to this and answer some questions from an Indigenous worldview. And I think that, you know, what's really important to me is we have this conversation from a powerful position. Because if we start on a powerful position, we come to the conversation with more power and more legitimacy. So... That is what I would like to move forward in discussing and have the conversation. I know it's a complex conversation and there are probably many different ways of answering the questions that we raise. Although, you know, when we're answering questions from an indigenous point of view, it is important that we take this seriously. In all the podcasts, in Empathetic Witness, I'd like to look at some of the terminology that we use that provides some context for our conversation. So with that, you know, demystifying Indigenous storytelling is the theme for this podcast. Good morning, Betty, and welcome to Empathetic Witness. Uh, good morning. Itamiks kanatuni. Mr. Wanakok Sigapinaki, get Kanaksimachipua. A good morning. And uh, I gave you my Blackfoot name, which is in our tradition to identify ourselves. So the question you ask is who has the right to speak on uh, Indigenous storytelling? 
I like to look at it from uh, the perspective of responsibility. Who's responsible for the transfer of these stories? I'd like to first say that there's a distinction in regards to storytelling. They occur within the context of an Indigenous worldview. So a person has to be quite familiar with what the Indigenous worldview is. And that worldview gives us a perceptual reality. Yes. And from that perceptual reality, we have experiences. And from those experiences, we situate ourselves in what is called from the Western world an identity. Right. I get it. So there's critical pieces to the storytelling. Mm. And so um, one of the things that uh, every person through their stories, places themselves in society. So whenever I speak, I'm speaking my story. And so you get to know who I am through my story and how I express myself. Within that larger context that that I just referred to. So the important part of storytelling is that you're giving voice to your identity. Mm. You're giving voice to your experience. Mm. And this is important for society because uh, we need diversity. Everyone has their story. Mm. And all these stories occur in a context. Mm. And that context is related to global sustainability. So it becomes very important uh, to be aware of who's telling the story. Yes, yes, I get that. That's a huge distinction. Uh, Yeah, yes, and so uh, when we put it in the context of uh, indigenous relations, we can begin to think about how Indigenous peoples, not only in Canada, but all over the world, Mm. how their voice has been silenced. Yes. And so through the process of reconciliation, there is an opportunity for Indigenous people to express who they are within the context of their own reality. Mm. And so storytelling is really that format of how we, how we do that. Yes. And uh, it's uh, in the context of uh, colonization and reconciliation, our stories are critical for our continuity as a people. Mm. Mm. The stories really are the format of expressing who we are, but they're also the, the, uh, the, the, the medium in which we, as a people, we continue. Mm. 
Mm. If we no longer have our stories, then we really don't exist. Ah, yes, yeah. yeah. So if somebody else is telling our stories, then what's happening? And we don't have far to look back at uh, in terms of what I just asked. We mm. don't have, we don't have, it's, it's happening today. Yes. People are telling our stories. Since contact, history has been telling our stories from a, a non-Indigenous perspective. Yes. So yes. I often ask, does the larger society really know who we are? Mm. Because up to this point, there hasn't been uh, ample opportunity to, to speak our experiences and, and, and to tell our stories. So it becomes important for Nitsitapi, that's Indigenous people, to tell their stories. It's their responsibility for the continuity of our worldview, mm. our contextual reality, mm. and for the most part, who we are. Yes. That is our responsibility if we want to have continuity, is to tell our stories. Mm. I see it's not about right, it's about it's about uh, responsibility. Right. Okay. So yeah, so we're, so instead of saying who has the right, you're saying who has the responsibility. And in answering that, you're saying we, the indigenous people, hold that responsibility. Yes, because we're bringing forth our worldview. Yes. Our, our perceptual reality and the experiences that we have within that context. Yes. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me because it's also a sacred responsibility when you put it in that way. Absolutely. Uh, we've uh, looked at the, uh, the name that, that we use for ourselves as Indigenous people, that we use for other Indigenous uh, groups, mm -hmm. uh, and we say uh, the word is Nitsitapi. Mm. And uh, the elders have told us that Nitsi means truth. Mm. So there, actually there is no truth in the world. Right. The only thing we have is our stories. Yes. And that is our truth. Mm. Mm. So who we are as Indigenous people is our experience in the worldview in which we live. And it's that experience that we refer to as our truth. So we say, Nitsitapi, Indigenous people experience. Mm. And it's in the experience that you are who you are. Yes, yes. So experience is, is critical to, to our, our identity, the continuity of who we are. Hmm. And so storytelling is, is, is very important in terms of, of a distinction to carry on a worldview, um, an identity. A reality that's experienced in this mm -hmm. time, mm -hmm. 
And from our from our culture, from our cultural uh, teachings, we understand that experience we is is the way of our truth. Mm. So it requires authenticity, integrity, in sharing those stories. Yes, yes. And that's where you you, you spoke to. You know, it's 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 a sacredness mm. mm-hmm. in in telling who we are. Yes. In in Dene, um, which I am, we we call people Dene, and the stories that are passed down from my grandparents, great grandparents, often have a bit of lessons in them. You know, so so I worry when someone else is telling our stories, they are not necessarily passing down these lessons as well because they may their interpretation is different. So they re retell our stories in a different way. And sometimes it may lack the lessons that were meant to be passed down. Well, I think you bring a really uh, imp- a important point. I mean, it, that's something that's, in fact, the essence of mm. storytelling. It's the essence of storytelling. Why would you tell stories? Yes, that's that's the that's the question you raised. Um, and those stories that are passed down and that mm-hmm. have those lessons, those stories teach us who we are. And it's not like uh, Western uh, academia where you can read stories of other, other people um, or you can read about how people live. Mm-hmm. These stories that we have are really we need to experience them and they become who we are we embody these stories mm. and that is why we tell these stories so that you can embody them and you be and and it's through that embodiment that you become nitsitapi because now you've had that experience in a world view mm. so those stories are holistic and they, uh, they they actually speak to every facet of life, yes. and it's really the perspective or the focus that you're that you, that you have in telling, in teaching, and, yes. and, but they are holistic, and they uh, they speak to every facet of our life, and that is our our sacred teachings in regards to that mm. that responsibility that we have for the sustainability of the world in which we live yes so it's much broader than just telling a story it's about who you are and how you live in this world how you live in this universe because we have many stories about our our ancestors in the sky Mm -hmm. and how we relate to that yeah relationship yeah Yeah. and that kind of brings me to you know how this conversation started in terms of somebody you know a non-indigenous person telling the story it started with I mean I don't want to bring this in but as 
it started with, you know, CBC, who, you know, has a huge Indigenous following, also creates stories. And these stories are told from a non-Indigenous point of view. And so, you know, that lived experience isn't there. It's, it's void of that. So the stories actually, as they tell it, are, are um, void of that really critical component, which is the experiential. Absolutely. I think uh, the world, for the most part, uh, lives uh, through uh, a lens of a disconnect to the mm. world. This is why we find ourselves in a, a global uh, crisis, mm -hmm. environmentally and in other ways. Um, there's that disconnect. Whereas for Indigenous people, this, the experience was focused on being. Yeah. Uh, being present, mm. and uh, we hear some some new age and and even the scientists are speaking about that whole context of a way of being. Mm. And I think that's um, that's how you connect to these stories is the as a way of being. And now, what's what's available to um, to storytelling is still in the context of that disconnect. Mm. So it's readily uh, acceptable in, in, in all the disciplines, including mm. uh, the media. Mm. And people can't relate to the experiential connection of a way of being. Mm. So then we ask the question, then whose stories are being told and who's listening mm. and who makes, who, who actually uh, sees these stories as being credible that are being, you know, are being told and what's acceptable. Yes. Uh, in our languages, when we speak our languages, we can really tell the distinction between the questions I'm asking and how it is for us when we speak in our languages. Mm. And, and that's not available to, to a lot of people. Yes. So I think that um, the harm that's, that's being done is the continuity of colonization, is that although uh, we hear uh, stories, uh, we need to look at, where did these stories come from? Who's telling these stories? Were they experienced? Were, were they experienced in the context of a, of a, of a culture, of a worldview, of, of our, uh, our connection to land? Mm. How did we come across, how did we, uh, you know, uh, how did these stories come about? So I think those are big questions for, for our, our, our general journey on, on, on reconciliation. And we're just beginning, mm. you know, we're just, uh, we're just beginning to even entertain what does reconciliation mean? Mm. Yes. And, uh, and who's reconciliating and what are we reconciliating? I mean, those are all big questions. Yes. 
but I think it's it, it's uh, it's a good uh, the, your podcast is a good forum to begin to ask these kinds of questions. And like you said in the opening, there's a lot of perspectives. There's different opinions. Uh, it's very complex. But what it does is it provides awareness. Mm-hmm. And in awareness, people actually have a choice. Now you can choose because you do have some awareness. Mm-hmm. And uh, that leads to you know, other people having different experiences. And that's all we're looking for is for humanity to have a breadth, depth in, in awareness, and and thus life becomes much more full in mm. regards to uh, experiences. Yes. Yes. So. Yeah, it's a, yeah, when I think of storytelling and who tells the story and who's listening, I think that's a really important thing. Like who is actually listening? You know, so what what are you imparting to them, you know, as the listener? Like, what are they taking away, you know? And it's critical that, I mean, when I, you know, you talked about the language. And, and so I think about, you know, when my sister, I, I was just thinking of my big sister today that often tells stories that my grandmother used to tell her as a little girl. And and it's all in Dene, right? So the story is in Dene. Like anytime you can understand the language, like you say, the language, sometimes interpretation is really, it doesn't fit what the story is, you know, because it's actually when I think of, you know, sometimes I'll think of some of the stories she's told me and and I think of translating them because, you know, you know, I speak English and I speak Dene, understand Dene. So I'm trying to translate in my mind, if I was to translate it in English, what, what would I say she said? And often the English translation is inadequate. It does not speak to that story because it doesn't, because the story, like there is things in the language that cannot be explained or interpreted in another language. And that's the difficulty people have is in the interpretation, even in English. As an English listener, they often misinterpret what is being said because there's so many different ways of actually interpreting dialogue, right? So what we look at is we look at the essence of the story. So the spirit of the story, and that's what gets transferred, I believe, right? It's Mm -hmm. the spirit. Well, when you talk about the spirit being transferred, it's if you listen uh, as an observer to to the speakers, you you will actually visualize the movement in the language. And uh, as I took uh, a course in uh, in my language, I told a linguist instructor, you know, it's really all verbing, and many many people have now written about it. But it is all, if we want to use the English word, it's all verbs. It's mm-hmm. and I, I I had expressed it as verbing, mm-hmm. and it's because it is movement. The language is movement. Mm-hmm. 
And and how could you translate that to an, a, a, a language that has focused on nouns, on yeah. the objective reality as a solid form? Mm. So the language itself, uh, from a, from a you know looking at it from an English uh, from the from English, is that nouns are the most important, mm. and for the most part, you've you've you solidified that. So from an in, indigenous point of view, when you look at that language, it's a dead language because noun is really the, the, the possibility of transformation, of spiritual evolvement, of expansion of who we are. As, in, as, as the Blackfoot people, not only speak for the Blackfoot people, who mm-hmm. we are, our identity is related to the universe. That's who we are. You look at our teepees, our, our awareness of who we are expands to the universe, and that's in our daily interaction our perceptual reality how we experience it so that's the difference between the language and what it informs us about who we are and how we relate to the universe and as you said it is spirit yeah acts yeah that's true <laughs> oh, I, this is a great conversation i mean i mean i don't know how many people actually have this type of conversation when they're talking about, and that's what intrigued me, you know, when I first approached you to, to speak on this issue was your perspective on how we look at this. And because, uh, I mean, we can easily get so sidetracked by, by attaching to insignificant things, you know, well, that person can't tell the story because she's got blonde hair or blue eyes, or, you know, and that's irrelevant to what we're talking about right now. It really is irrelevant. So, yeah, so this this is really exciting because it's a different perspective. And it's a perspective that people often don't give themselves an opportunity to think about or even exercise their brain so that they can even look at a different side of this. Right. And and I think I'm really. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a good conversation. Yeah, it is. And I think and I hope at the end of this conversation that people will be able to take away in their own life when situations occur where they're presented with someone telling their story and how they can best communicate their dissatisfaction with that particular interpretation like what would be the best way for them to bring that up well i think storytelling for the most part as you had said there's lessons Mm. so in telling your story you're sharing your own and I'm just going to say lessons Mm. learned in your experience. Mm. And that's to provide hope, Mm. resilience, Mm. inspiration, Mm. and guidance to other people by telling your story. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) 
kind of blows my and mind. And that's who we are in that's who we are in our contribution to humanity. And that's mm-hmm. our story. And that fits really nicely in reconciliation. Absolutely. Because it it really is, you know, when you're looking at reconciliation, I and you ask the question, well, what are we reconciling? Well, we're reconciling the disconnect of storytelling. And so that's what that's that's where we move forward from this place is. How do we reconcile that? Absolutely. And it's basically sharing human experience Mm. for the benefit of the collective. Yes. Mm. Okay. This is really, really good. Um, So what I'm going to do is, um, you know, express to you my greatest gratitude of you accepting my invitation to have a conversation with me on this topic. Like, and I knew you'd be the right person. <laughs> and that's my story because <laughs> I've, I mean, I've known you a long time. You've got amazing knowledge, you know, and uh, knowledge with ways of knowing from an indigenous point of view. And I really admire that. I admire you and your ability to to make this complex conversation in a, in a way that I think most people listening will be able to understand and take away from it um, something useful, you know? Okay, so Betty, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation today. This is the last podcast of the year. And I think I've, you know, my intention was to go out with, with a like a big bang and really significant. And I think this conversation does that for us. I think we can, you know, end the the year of empathetic witness. And, you know, and I often say, you know, empathetic witness is, is to be listening in with an empathetic and sympathetic ear. And I think that's what we can do too as we listen to our indigenous story, because that that will follow, like that would serve us moving forward. So I think the title of this podcast is totally in tune with this particular discussion. And uh, thank you so much. Well, thank <laughs> you for having me. <laughs> thank you. So I hope that you have a happy new year and that you you have health, prosperity, and wellness going into 2021. And we'll have more conversations in the new year. Thank you.